welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. As we think about the year that is ahead of us, what are your deepest dreams and desires for you and for your loved ones, your family, as we make our way into 2020? You know, we need to plan our work and work our plan. We need to have goals in life. And sometimes having the goals inspires us to pursue the goals. Sometimes it's writing down the goals can be sacramental in our lives, and that will help God help us to become the people that God is calling us to become. Life happens so quickly. It's hard for me to believe that it is the year 2020. I don't know where 2019 went to or many of the other years. Time just flies by. So we need to make sure we're intentional about how we use this, this marvelous gift of time in life. We need to remember that life is made up of choices, the thousands of choices we make every week, and you add all of our choices up, and eventually those choices become our life. So we need to be mindful, intentional, thoughtful about how we want to embrace the future that God is calling us to embrace. Our text this morning is from the Apostle Paul, and you're going to get a glimpse of Paul's prayer life. You're going to see and hear how Paul prayed for the Christians there in that major Roman city of Ephesus, and you will see and hear how Paul prays for us here at Wesley Memorial Church. And I want you to think about this text, and I want you to think about how this text can help you, help me, help us together to pray for the people that we love. What is it we want most, not for ourselves, but what is it we want most for the people that we love? I want you to notice how Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to notice how audacious Paul is when he prays. Sometimes we don't ask enough of God. Sometimes we need to remember to be audacious and ask for some big things from God so that we can live way, way, way above mediocrity so that we can embrace the life and the destiny that God is calling us to embrace. So as you think about your prayer life and how you pray for the people around you, I want you to hear now how Paul prays for the Christians there in Ephesus. So chapter 3 of Ephesians, I'll begin reading at verse 14. The Apostle Paul wrote, saying, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And I just want to pause a moment and commend that prayer posture to you. Sometimes just the physical act of bowing our knees before God can invite us to live a more submitted, surrendered life to God. So if you're able to do that, I encourage you to consider making that your prayer posture. Sometimes it's good if we allow our whole being, even allow our whole body, to participate in prayer. 
So Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. All of us have been created by God. Verse 16, I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. So do you hear what he's praying for concerning the Ephesian Christians and for us? He is praying that we may receive that strength in our inner being that comes from the power of the Spirit. The word power in Greek is dunamis. It's the Greek word that we receive the word dynamite from. He's praying that we will be strengthened in our inner being through the power of that Spirit. Verse 17, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you're being rooted and grounded in love. I pray, Paul says, that you may have the power, there's that word again, power, dunamis, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know, not just know about, but to know, to experientially know, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think that's how he sums up his prayer. That's how he sums up his petitions. He is praying that we will all be filled with all the fullness of God. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Would you pray with me? God, we confess that sometimes we live way beneath the destiny that you have planned for us. We pray, God, that you'll help us to grow up, help us to mature in Jesus Christ, help us to continue the transformation journey in our life, help us to use every moment, every choice to become more and more like Jesus Christ. As we continue our entrance into 2020, we pray, God, that our vision will be your vision, that our dreams will be your dreams, our wishes for ourselves and for those that we love will be in alignment with your wishes for ourselves and those that we love. Help us, God. Help us through the power of your Spirit to experience the power of your Spirit in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I wish I could introduce you this morning to perhaps one of my best friends, maybe my best friend, but I can't bring him here because he would probably be way too disruptive for this worship service. And that best friend is, is my little dog, Jaxie. If you haven't met Jaxie, you're missing out. Now, I know if you're a dog lover and if you have dogs in your home, they're wonderful, but they're not as good as Jaxie. <laughs> God blessed me and Tammy for 16 years with a wonderful dog that really became my best friend, my study partner, my prayer partner. He was with me all the time I was at home, and we had him for 16 years. His name was Samson, 
And we lost him about a year and a half ago. And, and I really didn't think God would, would provide me with another dog as loving as the dog we received. He, in some ways, just picked up where Samson left off in loving us. His name is Jaxie, and I'll tell you a little bit about his name, Jaxie, uh, since my wife named him Jaxie. If I had chosen the name, I wouldn't tell you this because it sounds a little too um, pretentious, but Tammy gave me the honor of naming my dog Jaxie because, of course, you may know that's the nickname for C.S. Lewis. When he was a little child, he announced to his family he would not be Clive Staples Lewis, but he'd be Jaxie. And so he received that name, and as he got older, as an adult, he became Jack. But Tammy, wanting to honor my devotion to the author C.S. Lewis, she suggested I could name our dog Jaxie. And there's so much I love about Jaxie. If you don't have a Jaxie in your life, I encourage you to consider having a Jaxie in your life. I know that some of you are dog lovers, and I really understand that. Some of you are cat lovers. I'm trying to understand that. <laughs> but there's a lot that I love about Jaxie. And here's a few of the things I love about Jaxie. I never have to wonder if Jaxie is going to love me on any given day. I never have to wonder if Jaxie is going to be excited to see me. I never have to wonder if Jaxie is going to enjoy being in my presence. Yesterday I took Jax to get his hair groomed and I was noticing as I was coming home, I was in the driver's seat, he was in his seat, and I noticed he had just taken his head and was laying his head on the armrest between us and he was just gazing at me, staring at me, just watching me as I was driving home. And the other thing that I love about Jaxie, and if you're a dog lover, you probably understand what I'm saying, Jaxie is so predictable. Whenever I go to leave, Jaxie, for whatever reason, he goes to his seat, his chair, his special spot in the den, and that's where I have to go and invite him into his kennel as I'm leaving. That's just the way it happens every time I leave. He's predictable. He's predictable about a lot of things. He's very predictable. And one of the reasons he's so predictable is Jack C. has proven to be really very trainable. I wish I was as trainable as Jack C. I wish most of the human beings I knew were as trainable as Jack C. Because when I think about how easy it is for Jack C. to be trained and how, how much he embraces his habits, nothing seems to change those habits, I realize how difficult it is for us as human beings to create some good habits that we embrace and that we refuse to deviate from. Most of us know that we can create bad habits pretty easily. I'm not sure we understand, and this is reality, that we really can grow good habits, too. But sometimes we're just more passionate about growing the bad habits in our life. But we can grow the good habits. Part of being a Christ follower in this world is the desire that we have to have birthed in us by the Holy Spirit to be trained in godliness. 
to reference 1 Timothy in the New Testament. To be trained in godliness. We have to give ourselves to being trained in godliness. We don't come into the world as a full-blown disciple of Jesus Christ. We have to give ourselves to those holy habits and that training that will help God do a new thing in our lives. On Friday at 4 o'clock here in this sanctuary, we had a tremendous memorial service for Sandy Rittenhouse. And perhaps if you knew Sandy, you knew she was a tremendous person. And she was a tremendous teacher. And the school really turned out on Friday. Uh, almost this whole half of the sanctuary is filled with uh, staff, faculty, and students from the Piedmont School where she was teaching when her disease took her from us. And it was a great celebration and so many wonderful things were, were said about Sandy. And of course, all of us that knew Sandy, we really knew Sandy to be a master teacher. She had impacted so many lives with her teaching. But one of the things I said on Friday, and you may remember this if you were here, I said that Sandy was a master teacher, influencing so many lives, because first and foremost, she was a master student, preeminently a master student of Jesus Christ. That's why we could see Sandy's life and we could see the fruit of the Spirit being produced in Sandy's life. Love, peace, patience, joy, long-suffering, self-control, etc. When we see that produced in a human being, we know it's the fruit of the Spirit bearing forth that produce. So she was a great teacher and touched so many lives because she was a great student of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you know that the word disciple means student. It means learner. I really prefer the title apprentice. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have apprenticed ourselves to Jesus so that we can learn to do what Jesus did when he walked this earth. You may also know that when you look at the New Testament, the word Christian occurs only three times. But the word disciple occurs around 270 times. It's obvious we're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a student, a learner, an apprentice, being trained in godliness picking up those holy habits in our life that will help us grow up into the image of Jesus Christ, that will help us to be filled with all the fullness of God, including the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. So, our first task in life is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful book out there. I commend it to you. I love the title, but the book is very good also. It's a book written by Lois Feeberg. And the title of the book is Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. We should be following Jesus so closely, seeking to learn from Jesus as we live as an apprentice of Jesus, that we're walking in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. That's how closely we should be following Jesus and that's how we grow in the life of discipleship. That's how we grow in being trained in godliness. John Wesley 
And that's a name that means a lot to us around here. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. And uh, we're so fond of John Wesley around here. Our church is named after Mr. Wesley. And you may know we're one of the few churches in, in the United States. We actually have a letter from Mr. Wesley that he wrote to someone in the year 1776. John Wesley was a tremendous preacher of the gospel. And God used him to bring a tremendous revival in the 18th century. And it is a revival that continues today. John Wesley used to preach often and fervently about our need for, and here's a good Methodist term, it's a biblical term, you see some of our hymns categorized with this term, sanctification, growth in holiness. John Wesley loved to talk about how we should have inner and outward holiness, holiness of heart and life. We should live in such a way that every area of our life is being redeemed and transformed by Jesus Christ. It was Methodist types like us who sought to make it very clear to people that you could receive Jesus as Savior and give Him your sins in the great exchange for the forgiveness or pardon that He gives us. And that's a tremendous thing. I hope you've done that. hope you have received Jesus as Savior. You've, you've turned your sins over to Him and received the forgiveness and pardon that He and He alone can bring. But we Methodist types, we also have liked to preach for the last 200 plus years that after you receive Jesus as Savior, you need also to receive Jesus Christ as Lord to allow every area of your life to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why it was Methodist types who, who wrote hymns like, I Surrender All. Not, I surrender a few compartments of my life. Not, I may have a religious department of my life, but I surrender all. We fervently believe that our discipleship must touch every area of our life. Everything that we do. I hope that you're passionate about discipleship, passionate about being the very best follower of Christ that you can be, passionate about being a better follower, a more efficient, more effective, more fruitful follower of Jesus Christ today than you were this time last week. We Methodists talk about going on to perfection, and we like to say if you're not going on to perfection, where are you going on to? We need to make sure we're growing in our discipleship and that the fullness of God is being more and more real in our lives. We all have a lot of passions. I have a lot of passions. But we need to strive to make sure we appropriately order our passions. It was St. Augustine who frequently said to the church, make sure that you rightly order your loves. I know sometimes we say we love God. We we love our spouse. Sometimes we can say we love chocolate ice cream. Ice cream. We need to make sure that we are rightly ordering the loves of our life. We can have a primary love, a secondary love, a tertiary love. We need to make sure we are rightly ordering our loves and our passions in our life. I hope that your prevailing passion. You can have others, but I hope that your prevailing passion is for Jesus Christ to help you be a more faithful follower of Jesus Christ so that you may know the riches of God's grace, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, 
so that you may know more and more of the fullness of God being birthed in your life. I pray that each one of us will so live that we live as trophies of God's grace. You see, the interesting thing about growing as disciple is it is really not what we do. We just have to surrender and put ourselves in the places where Jesus is happening. And Jesus will grow in us. So friends, I hope you have a lot of passions. But I hope that your prevailing passion is Him. Amen.